<laughs> Welcome to Kitchen Table Talk with Jason and it's um, June 26th. Yeah. yeah, so mm -hmm. we're sitting in Trianglin mm -hmm. um, outside of the, the mall on the grass beside the church and the church. Yeah. <laughs> Eating um, some Jamaican pudding. Is that this is no. sweet, sweet potato pudding? No, no, this one is cornmeal pudding. Mm -mm -mm. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. mm. Isn't it good? Yeah. Wait a minute. Where did you get cornmeal from here? We bought it in Ica. <laughs> oh yeah, they sell cornmeal. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, this is some good cornmeal mm. with some coconut. Mm -hmm. Of course, we boil the coconut and. How do you say it? Um, you it's a shredded it. coconut. You with it. Yeah. No, no, we bought the shredded coconut in the supermarket mm -hmm. and boiled it with the ginger and the sugar and, you know, to get that flavor going. It reminds me yes. of home. It's been a long time since I've had those. I know. Had, well, no, you had you made pudding. It was Ayan, Ayanish. You made, yes, um, you made pudding. Yes, you made pudding. Well, that's been months. Mm -hmm. That was just before winter. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Anyway, so this is Yannick. Uh, Yannick, introduce yourself yeah, for those uh, out there who probably have not heard of you or haven't seen you oh on God, your social oh media. I, I know, I know, right? <laughs> so, um, hi guys, my name is Yannick. I'm also Jamaican like Jason. Mm -hmm. I live here in Sweden, live in a small town called Sheblingen. And I'm blogging on Instagram about beauty and skincare and a little bit of lifestyle here and there. But yeah, that's what I do. And at the moment, what well, I'm working as a beauty advisor with a French yes. beauty brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and today we wanted to talk a little bit more, uh, well, delve a little bit deeper into the issue and talk about isms, you know. And yeah, the isms. Yeah. <laughs> Ism, ism. Yeah. Oh my God, which, which Jamaican artist has a song talking about the isms, schisms? I don't know, but when I said I was thinking, like, girl, I tired to me now. Is that ism, ism? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, to tie that into Jamaica, we're talking about isms within the Jamaican concept. And you just shared a post with me on Facebook about somebody saying that in Jamaica we don't have racism, but we have classism, uh, classism and mm -hmm. a bunch of isms. And some of those isms are colorism mm -hmm. and you know a bunch you know of other. I like to say uptonism. <laughs> uptonism and all these kind of things. Yeah. But what what what, are, what has your experience been like, you know, with you know? Because I know the, well the isms in Jamaican context. I mean, like for me, um, people say that racism um, doesn't exist in Jamaica, just classism. And I think, of course, we know racism means that you have to have the power and the majority and, and so on. And by definition, technically, we don't have racism. But I think that classism is still a version of racism um and it of course it exists in jamaica because we have the upper class the middle class the lower class and where you fall in that depends on your income and education and i think like uh, for me i grew up in the jamaican countryside so technically i don't belong to uptown or downtown which is normally you know where you have the greatest debate so once you're considered country you're kind of outside, yeah, outside yeah. <laughs> you're outside of the discussion per se but even within the country life there is the classism um you know based on your household income what your parents do for a living what you do because i will say for example 
I didn't know I was poor until I went to high school, and, uh, and, and that is when I went to um, Hampton School, which is an all-girls school. It's considered an elite Ivy League school. And when I went there, that's when I realized I was poor. Mm, yeah, that, <laughs> uh, I can definitely relate. It's, it's so fun that we're talking about this because it was last night I was sitting down, and I was just reflecting a little bit, and I was like, you know. Growing up in Jamaica, you know, the, the struggles that you face, it, the isms that you face was like classism, you know. And, and was, colorism. And colorism. Mm-hmm. And, and well, for me, homophobia was the mm-hmm. issues. But then, you know, now living here and being in Europe for so long time, it's all of those things have you know, com- completely eradicated and, and gone. And it's just racism. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, the that biggest exists. struggle. Yeah. Um, so I, I do I do somewhat agree with that statement was that racism doesn't... It, it, but as you said before, you know, colorism and classism, all these are byproducts of racism. Of racism. Mm-hmm. You know, so... And, you know, these are things that, you know, consciousness that is kind of instilled in us, you know, based on in the remnants of colonialism and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the white supremacy, you mm-hmm. know, and us trying to, wanting to emulate to that status or wanting to mimic, you know, our own version of that status. And you're saying something about, you know, um, black women or black men, you know, who date outside of their race, you know, mm-hmm. date, you know, a white man or a white woman and, and the fact that some of them see this as an accession to you know whiteness and some elevation that they, they're no longer B-L-A-C-K black but they're B-L-A-Q-U-E yeah. kind of black and they see mm-hmm. this as some distinction you know yeah <laughs> definitely I mean it, it all starts with colorism in the Jamaican context for example I'm from St. Elizabeth and in the north of St. Elizabeth we are dark skinned oh, my mother's on, from St. Elizabeth yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and on the south side of St. Elizabeth they are light skinned and so even within my little city, you know, my parish, there is, there is a problem. Like, lighter-skinned girls are preferred over dark-skinned girls. And dark-skinned girls are considered beautiful if they're considered mixed. So, for example, when I was growing up, the, you know, the type of kinks in my hair, it showed that I was mixed of mm. sort. And so you got treated differently from those Holy, who had, yeah. had the kaya, mm. you know. So um, if you have curly hair, then you're mixed. So you get a little preferential treatment. And if you have, like real kinky here oh no you hear dry like coconut brush (laughs) you're put to the side but if you are light-skinned you know you are favored and so you find that a lot of people grew up wanting to be associated with light skin you Mm. know um, people so whether you married or you dated someone who was browning you know suddenly your social status was lifted because you are with the browning and especially if you marry white and you have brown skin children suddenly you know you are given preferential treatment because you have you know stepped up in life mm-hmm. uh, and and i mean i find that there are some people whether you know for want of for lack of attention or for lack of love because of the color of their skin mm-hmm. when they find this partner they become what we call heighty tighty in Jamaica. Hoity-toity, yeah. They're just tighty They become a snooty-tooty kind of people and start looking down on their fellow dark-skinned people, you know? Um, so, yeah, those isms, the, the classism, and the colorism, you, you ascend. This, where do you think this stem from? I mean, yeah, I guess it stemmed from our colonial past and, you know, it plantation is from, and slavery and stuff like that. It is from and, our colonial past, you know, actually. I remember growing up, you know, my mother, you know, she, um, her mentality has totally changed now, but my mother, she was like, you know, you don't bring home any, any dark skin girl, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're going to bring home somebody, well, little did she know, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she was like, you don't bring home any dark skin girl, you know, that, 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 that was her mentality. And that's 
because of the way she was socialized and, mm -hmm. and you know how, how how she was cultured you know mm -hmm. but now and, and now even to today my little sister you know she's she's what's well, gonna be seven eight years old soon mm -hmm. but it was she was six when she said this in that she's happy that she doesn't have my stepdad's you know complexion that she looks like my mom you know, like, like she's mom. lighter skin because yeah. you can see it you experience it even in school that the lighter skin kids get you know better treatment than the dark skin the teacher will you know as we say bark at the dark skin one but be gent more gentle with the light skin kids and even for me as you talked about you know your experience growing up even for me when I was in primary school and even the first part of high school, if your nose was broad, oh, yeah. you would not get a glance from me because my I saw my cousin and my best friends get teased and being called sweet pepper nose. <laughs> and I said, who, me? I'm not dating anybody with, with a broad, broad nose, nose because <laughs> I don't want anybody to tease my child and call my child sweet pepper nose. And I used to only date the Indian guys because I don't want my kid to have no tough head. Mm, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, which is funny. But deep down, I actually like the more chocolate guys. Oh, yeah. You know, it got me uh, a chocolate the now. The that's <laughs> the sweet of the juice. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's just society and the way you grow up. And you see how people of darker skin get treated and how people of lighter skin get treated. And so you think to yourself, I don't want my child to be at a disadvantage. Mm. And so you lean towards a certain thing, you know, as we say, browning because you want to have, you know, want your children to have it easier. But yeah. also you don't realize that you are also discriminating against yourself. And, you know, just as you said, your mother talked about not bringing home someone dark skin. My grandparents told my sister the same thing. You can't bring home someone who is dark because nothing black, no good. And my grandparents were the darkest skinned people on the street. <laughs> <laughs> but, but sometimes it's that they're like, okay, you need to kind of you know, change. Let's, you know, lighten, white, this. White Let's the... lighten this a bit. And, and, I mean, we see it so much where grandparents, we, we see it in families where um, the offsprings date outside of their race or mm. just they're with someone who's lighter and so they end up having lighter skinned children. You see where those light skinned grandkids are treated so gently, like, oh, you know, yeah, with the, precious, yeah, yeah. the gloves, you know. And like, yes, we have like to take a flower. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't do that. You don't want to fall. You don't want to get scratches. You got to keep your skin beautiful. And you know, and the darker skin grandkids get treated badly. You know, you see mm. this. See it, 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 it on the regular. It, yeah, it, it's part of it. So you know, I mean, yeah, I think it's for, just as bad yeah, as racism because we are discriminating against and, ourselves. And, you know, and it's about power construct. It you know, it's based power. on power construct. You know, wanting to you know be you know positioning yourself above and putting down and somebody someone. else. Yeah, because of the color of their skin or because of their economic status. I think for me, I didn't really have an experience. Colorism was not, you know, an issue, like a big issue, mm -hmm. you know, for me. And classism, colorism, the thing about it, because, you know, as you said before, when I, when I went to high school for the first time, so that's when I realized, you know, about class, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. then I walked into that place <coughs> and, you know, I saw... I saw people elevated, you know, you know yeah. parents driving all these cars. And I was like, okay, I was I live because I was from there. I was in a different, total different world, <laughs> but exposed to all this. And then I met my father when I was like six, six years old, mm -hmm. and also meeting him, you know, you know, made me realize about class as well. But then I, it didn't really register until high school because, you know, growing up with my mother, you know in Rockport, mm -hmm. Jamaica and you know then meeting my father and I used to go by his house you know, and then he lived in this he, he was living uh, the uh, life uh, uptown Jamaica yeah <laughs> he was living the life and but 
I, it didn't register to me until high school, you know, until you know I started seeing other kids because growing up I would see him on weekends and I would be by his house or I would spend the summer and I'll be by his house and I used to hate it mm -hmm. because it was different because being by my mother's house we didn't sit around the table and use knife and forks and mm -hmm. eat so I it was a total console track for me. and before I'm you know before going to him I didn't see I didn't have a problem with my creole or my power mm -hmm. you know when I was at his house he was like no you speak this way yes yeah, so I used to hate going by him I didn't register to me the difference because I was so young you mm -hmm. know but then when I started going to high school that's when I started to see okay Aha. Mm -hmm. Because in a, in a certain side of Jamaica, English is, you know, how do you say? Um, because everyone wants to be, you know, as uh, what Fanon said in Black Skin, White Mask, we want to we want to ascend to whiteness. Everyone is want, wanting to be white, so you want to speak like the colonizer, you want to mm. act like the colonizer, mm. so we take on their mannerisms and everything that is of us is considered bad. Mm. And so even in my household, when I was growing up, I had to speak English because if I spoke Creole or Pato, as we say in Jamaica, it's considered bad language. No, you do, we don't speak that if you want to be accepted in society or if you want to be seen as educated, you know, you had to speak English and English only. So we spoke the Queen's English at home. Mm. And even language itself is part of the ism. It's the ism, yeah. You know, because if your ability to speak English well, and even if you switch to, to Pato, if you can code switch and if you understand this, this the Miskitty-ism, that's acceptable. You that's know, acceptable, like, but if you are not able to switch to English and speak it fluently and speak it well, you know, and use some big words, you know, have to be verbose. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that, then suddenly they know that mm, you are not one of us, you are not on our level. So mm. even with the language itself, there, there is a, a segregation, you know, it the language itself divides us. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and that's an important point too, because you realize that, you know, no matter what skin complexion you are, mm -hmm. you know, you are, you're able to, to break forward barriers. the barriers if you have if you speak the language mm -hmm. and if you have a certain level of uh, education, education yes you know you know you're able to kind of you know blur those lines and you'll be able to kind of navigate and mm -hmm. you know walk amongst those circles even if you live in a that's certain what, certain place part, yeah. but if you and that's a lot of things because going to you know going to my in a high school a lot of people didn't even know not <laughs> <laughs> know my situation that you know living with my mother because that's you know who I lived with you know that you know I was from very humble means mm -hmm. people looked at me and because my mother she was very she she worked very hard mm -hmm. to ensure that I didn't have everything I wanted but I had I, have, I had everything I needed yeah. so I always had you know new shoes new bag you know my my school uniform was mm -hmm. crisp and looking good I spoke well you know and everything so when people looked at me they assumed otherwise mm -hmm. but then little bit behind the scenes exactly. behind oh, it, it yeah it's so that's like it's tough. Mm. it's tough I remember when I was in um, Rotaract which is the junior version of Rotary Club um, because I was raised with the service-minded uh, uh, mothers parents uh, two mothers growing up but um, I remember there were some uptown people who were a part of the group and it, um, it's only by virtue of my education, my ability to, because I understand, to the, pass. you know, I can pass, I can <laughs> pass. So, um, 
you know, once we were at a, a dinner and we were having a conversation and, you know, you're in this group, so you're speaking your best English, you're using your big words, you know, because you want to sound educated. <laughs> and one guy, I happened to mention that I attended this particular high school and, the, and one guy who had like never looked at me before, he turned to me and said, oh, that's why you are the way you are. You went to a good school. Oh, now I understand, you know, mm. your mannerism and so okay. on and so forth. And like after that, he started having regular conversations with me. Now, this guy would walk past me, you know, just saying hello mm. to, you know, being to show manners, but never had any conversations with me before he he heard which school I attended. And suddenly it would appear that I had some class. Yes, some class. And that's the colonial mentality. <laughs> and I think, I think oftentimes, you know, I used to hear this a lot that, you know, you in Jamaica, you know, you think that you're brown and whatever. But once you leave outside the yeah. island, you realize that you're just like everybody well, else. Yeah, you're just like everybody yeah. else. It's like you're black. You're yeah. black. You, you may be in Jamaica. You, that's why some people don't want to leave Jamaica because you know, you are put on this pedestal when you look a certain way, mm, when you act mm. a certain way, when you have, you know, a certain amount of money. But when you leave Jamaica, it's like all that is stripped away. Oh, and your you face races. Your face races in just the same because everyone can see that you are mixed. And the class doesn't really matter. You don't have, you know, because racism doesn't discriminate. You can yeah. have as much money as possible. It's still going to stare you right in the face and yeah. say, look, <laughs> yeah. what are you trying to do? And, and it's so funny. I had a discussion with some friends recently. We talked about migration and how migration affects certain people differently because we were talking about the kids from high school who were the it kids you know mm. they're known to have money their family they come from a good family their family is well known but when they migrate to the US for example they lose all of that because they're now in a new environment where nobody knows or cares who their family is mm -hmm. and the, their money doesn't matter and they have a very hard time fitting in and assimilating and just you know um, achieving success because that was handed to them Every by virtue of who they are. Yeah, but they realize that now this world is it's a different game. It's a, it's it's a yeah. different game. But I find that those of us who you know grew up the hard way, who experienced the classism in Jamaica, who didn't have the gold spoon in our mouths, as, as our parents would say, when we migrate, we have it tough but we are more resilient oh yeah because we have that survival you have that instinct. survival instinct from the get-go and, and and so i find that we achieve more success overseas with, with, with that kind of background than those who had everything handed to them you know so yeah, yeah. isms and schisms isms and schisms schisms yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i think we can go on and on and we can we talk can so on. much more yeah. about this stuff and i think we probably need to have a part two, two a yeah part, to kind of delve in yeah but you know just to just to wrap you know things up yeah it's like you know in jamaica while we don't have racism you know we do have byproducts of racism and we still you know even to this day we're still kind of struggling with you know all of those colonial um legacies and those things that you know have um inflicted so much pain upon us so mentally much pain. i mean light-skinned yeah. blacks are still treated differently than darker-skinned blacks and I, I don't know if that will ever change because people like the statue. People, like, and that's the thing. That's about that's that, that, that's 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 that, that's that, that's that's what white supremacy is, and that's why things will never change because you know people at the top they will never give up their power, their privilege, you yeah. know. And if they were, if everybody were to be equal, then you know all of that power and privilege would be out the door, and everybody would just have to realize, realize that, that we're all the same. And I don't think we would ever achieve equality because there are some people who just always want to be on top. Always want to be on top. top. Yeah. And on that note, uh, this has been. Thank you so much, Anik. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> 
and this and, and that pudding was yeah mm. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. Mm, <laughs> so this has been another episode of kitchen table talk with jason bye bye